is the sound you never want to hear. It's the sound of the warning siren going off at a nuclear power plant. When you hear that sound, it means you are in the nuclear hot seat. Welcome to Nuclear Hot Seat, the weekly podcast keeping you up to date on all things anti-nuclear. My name is Libby Halevi. I'm the producer and host, and I do this podcast because I was one mile from the nuclear reactor at Three Mile Island when the accident happened there in 1979. And I don't want any of you going through what I went through then or worse. Later in this podcast, you'll hear a report on Fukushima survivor and activist Chieko Shina, who is on a tour of the West Coast to raise awareness of the ongoing problems faced by the people of Fukushima, especially the children. You'll also learn how you can help create a clinic that can genuinely impact the health of the people who have been left behind. Today is Tuesday, July 10, 2012. One year and 121 days since the Fukushima tragedy began on March 11 of 2011. And here is the week's nuclear news. Tokyo Electric Power Company and nuclear regulatory authorities intentionally delayed taking measures against earthquakes and tsunamis, causing a man-made disaster at the Fukushima Number 1 nuclear power plant. This according to a commissioned report by investigators who were commissioned by the Japanese Diet, the Parliament. Given that countermeasures could have been formulated on many occasions before it took place, the accident on March 11 of 2011 was clearly a man-made disaster, the 10-member Fukushima Nuclear Accident Independent Investigation Commission said in its final report, which was released on July 5th. But the commission did not go so far as to call on the Diet to investigate state affairs by having the government and TEPCO submit records for public disclosure. The panel also did not say whether criminal complaints could be filed or should be filed against government officials or the TEPCO executives. The particular nuclear reactor model used at Fukushima had inherent design flaws in the containment structure from the outset, and engineers predicted the exact scenario that happened at Fukushima years in advance. In the mid-1980s, Nuclear Regulatory Commission official Harold Denton stated that the Mark I reactors had, quote, a 90% possibility of bursting should fuel rods overheat and melt in an accident. Thirty-five years ago, while reviewing the design for the Mark I, nuclear engineers Dale Breidenberg and two of his colleagues at General Electric were pressured into okaying the designs for the Mark I and were forced to resign after becoming convinced that the Mark I was so flawed it could lead to catastrophe. Unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. Now, in an outrageous development, directors and auditors at the Japanese operator of the Fukushima nuclear plant have used the company's annual general meeting to resign. In theory, the TEPCO directors and auditors are doing so to take responsibility for last year's disaster, but nearly half of those who resigned will take up lucrative posts in other TEPCO group companies. Some of the executives are also facing the biggest lawsuit in Japanese history, a $67 billion compensation claim from shareholders for what they describe as unforgivable negligence. Anti-nuclear activists and TEPCO shareholders agree that the company's director should not be given a golden parachute when they resign. Other nuclear news in Japan at the Anagawa plant, the Tohu Electric Power Company, the operators of that plant, recently used an underwater camera to inspect the 4.5 meter high metal containers in a fuel rod storage pool. They found a two-centimeter-long 
several millimeter wide chip in one of the containers. It also found more than 12 places on other containers where pieces were missing. Such damage has never been reported at a nuclear facility in Japan. There's no word whether it existed and was not reported. At the Ui nuclear power plant, as a result of the restart, at least 150,000 Japanese, if not up to 200,000, protested the restart of the reactors in western Japan. This is an ongoing and growing protest that has been happening every week to get the newly restarted reactors shut down. In the meantime, our favorite anti-nuclear activists, the jellyfish, have come out in swarms. And TEPCO, the operators of OE, announced that on July 8th, due to a large outbreak of jellyfish at the water intake for Reactor 3, the electric output decreased. Full operation is scheduled to return, but may be delayed. According to TEPCO, jellyfish swarmed the water intake. They will delay full operation if the jellyfish don't go away by 9 p.m. on July 8th. We haven't heard words since then. There has been no mic check for the jellyfish, but they have continued to occupy. In the United States, in a shocking story out of the Los Angeles Times, an obscure legal doctrine leaves whistleblowers at the San Onofre nuclear plant with less legal protection than other California workers, including employees at the state's only other nuclear plant. That's because San Onofre sits on land leased from the Camp Pendleton Marine Corps base. That puts the facility in a so-called federal enclave where courts have held that many California laws, including labor laws intended to protect whistleblowers, do not apply. Lawsuits filed in state court by San Onofre workers who claimed they were fired or retaliated against for reporting safety concerns and other issues have been tossed out because of the plant's location. Radioactive water from the Fukushima nuclear reactors in Japan could reach the U.S. West Coast in the next five to six years, doubling the radioactivity of U.S. coastal waters according to simulations carried out by German oceanographers. The study co-authors said that they were surprised at how quickly the tracer, which is the way they made their marker, how quickly the tracer spread. Within one year, it will have spread over the entire western half of the North Pacific, and in five years, we predict it will reach the U.S. West Coast. Water samples taken nearly 400 miles off the coast of Japan in the Pacific Ocean are already showing radiation levels up to 1,000 times higher than previous readings. Now, in Belgium, nuclear plant operator Electrabel has reacted with dismay to the Belgian government's announcement that two of the country's seven nuclear units will not get a previously promised 10-year license extension. Belgium's Council of Ministers has announced that the Doel 1 and 2 reactors that have been in reaction since the mid-1970s are to close as scheduled in 2015 after 40 years of operation. As for Electrabel, Boo-hoo, suck it up, princess. Here's an optimistic report that came as a negative one out of some pro-nuclear sources. I just love when they give me some of my best material. The World Nuclear Industry Status Report for 2012 portrays an industry suffering from the cumulative impacts of the world economic crisis, the Fukushima disaster, ferocious competitors, and its own planning and management ineptitude. Key results of the assessment include... Only seven new reactors started up while 19 were shut down. Four countries announced that they will phase out nuclear power within a given time frame. At least five countries have decided not to engage or re-engage in nuclear programs. 
In Bulgaria and Japan, two reactors under construction were abandoned. In four countries, new build projects were officially canceled. Two-thirds of the assessed nuclear companies and utilities were downgraded by credit rating agency Standard & Poor's over the last five years. The shares of the world's largest nuclear operator, French state utility EDF, lost 82% of their value. That of the world's largest nuclear builder, French state company Areva, fell by 88%. In contrast, renewable energy development has continued with rapid growth figures. Global investment in renewable energy totaled $260 billion in U.S. funds in 2011, almost five times the 2004 amount. The total cumulative investment in renewables has risen to over $1 trillion in U.S. dollars, which compares to nuclear power investment decisions of about $120 billion. Still too much, but we're working on it. In Germany, for the first time, power production from renewables was only second to lignite coal. It exceeded regular coal, nuclear power, and natural gas. The German renewable electricity generation corresponded to 29% of French nuclear production. According to Anthony Fregat, the co-author of the report, the market for nuclear is shrinking year by year, while renewable energy deployment continues at pace and in an ever-increasing number of countries. With nuclear power becoming more expensive than a widening range of renewable energy technologies, this trend will only continue. Good news for us all. I want to do a precy on uh, some of the health situations that are coming up in Japan in, uh, in advance of the report I'm going to give for our feature today. We'll start with Arnie Gunderson, always a reliable source, who says that essentially northern Japan is contaminated. When he was over there, he took five samples in public parks in Tokyo, and all of them were contaminated. The Japanese are trying to downplay the health significance of that. I'm on record saying we can expect a significant increase in cancers over the next 20 to 30 years, especially in women and children as a result of this. About 30 to 40 percent of people in Fukushima Prefecture have lumps on their thyroids already, which could lead to thyroid cancer. Adult and child morbidity and mortality is on the rise in contaminated regions in eastern Japan. The number of cases of disease and death in children from 1 to 19 years old increased in Fukushima Prefecture in 2011 between March and November. This is compared to the previous year, the exact same number of months. The prefectures have at least 1.5 times an increase in disease and death in any one of three groups of children. The prefectures affected are Iwate, Yamagata, Fukushima, Tochigi, Chiba, and Nagano. These are the prefectures that are radiation contaminated, and it is very likely the number of cases of disease and death will increase in association with the radiation. Reported in Japan are increased outbreaks of rubella, German measles, and tuberculosis. A focus on tuberculosis. There have been 15 cases reported in Yamanashi, Japan, in Ibaraka, Nagasaki, Hiratsuka, and Kawasaki. In comparison, the results of a study that was done by the U.S. government after Chernobyl concluded that low-dose radiation plays a major role in the occurrence of bovine tuberculosis in regions affected by the Chernobyl nuclear disaster. 
So while the U.S. and now Japan will not study tuberculosis and the effects of radiation on people, we have a study that was done on cows around Chernobyl, and we can extrapolate from the cows being impacted by low-dose radiation to increase their TB rates to the fact that tuberculosis is now having an outbreak in Japan. A 95-year-old retired doctor is continuing to warn of possible health dangers to residents near the crippled Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant after some of them have developed symptoms similar to those seen among atomic bomb survivors that he treated for decades. These include unexpected fatigue and diarrhea as well as hair loss, which are symptoms that Dr. Shunotaro Hida suspects were exhibited as a result of internal exposure to radiation. And there was a tweet from a sufferer of leukemia that his internet postings with the word leukemia get deleted consistently. Now for the real bad guy in Japan, Dr. Shunich Yamashita, who's rapidly developing a reputation as the Joseph Mengele of Japan. He has advised members of the Japan Thyroid Institute not to do additional research on the small nodes or cysts showing up in children. He did this during their annual meeting on January 16 of 2012. In the past, Dr. Yamashita told members of the Japanese Society of Nuclear Medicine that prevention of child thyroid by iodine preparation was not necessary. Now, he told them that on March 24th of 2011, immediately after the Fukushima accident happened and when thyroid cancer and nodules could have been prevented by the use of iodine. There is now an attempt to force Dr. Yamashi to resign as curator of a current health damage survey in Fukushima Prefecture. And a little bit of good news for some of the children affected by this. About 30 children in Fukushima will stay in the Czech Republic for recovery in August, according to a proposal passed by the Czech government on Wednesday, July 4th. These children, who are all 12 to 14 years old, are from the town of Nami. They will spend the first two weeks in a child sanatorium near Prague. An individual care program will be insured for each of the children. So Japan does nothing. The U.S. does nothing. Let's hear it for the Czech Republic from the former Soviet Union. Last night, I went to hear a talk by Chieko Shina, a mother and grandmother who was a dedicated organic farmer in Kawamata Village in Fukushima Prefecture. This was before the Fukushima disaster. An experienced activist, one of her major contributions to Japan's post-Fukushima anti-nuclear organizing was to organize a sit-in in front of the Ministry of Economy and Industry. In addition, she organized 100 women from Fukushima to set up the women's 10 months and 10 days sit-in from late October, which later became a symbolic and physical space where women from all over Japan have come to communicate and organize. Indeed, if you want to send any mail to her, physical mail, all you have to do is write Fukushima Village, Tokyo, Japan, and it will get to her. Chieko currently helps run a cafe in Kawamata where they import vegetables from western Japan that have not been contaminated by radiation and thus provides a source of clean food for local residents. This also offers a space where people are safe to share their feelings about the disaster and what they're going through, which is a rarity in Japan. She's currently working to raise $3 million for a citizen-run children's clinic to leave the children left behind unevacuated from diseases caused by radiation. There will be more about that in a few moments.
Chieko shared a great deal of information that was put forth in human terms, anecdotes, and created a picture of the way life for human beings has been permanently shattered and how people are trying to cope against unimaginable odds and opposition. What follows is just a portion of the information she offered through her interpreter, Beverly Finlay Kaneko. Now, there were sound problems with the recording, so what follows is from a transcript of her remarks. She was asked why people did not evacuate, and she said, Within families, people don't feel the same way about Fukushima and the need to evacuate. There has been a breakdown of communication between family members, husbands and wives, grandparents and grandchildren. This has led to many cases of divorce. When children have to change schools, it's been difficult for them to adapt. They receive bullying and harassment from other children because they're seen as being contaminated. For the people living in the evacuation zone, 30,000 children evacuated, but 300,000 children have been left behind. They are living with nightmare amounts of radiation, and they need to be evacuated, but it is difficult to move away. Every case is different. Families are trying to move even a little way further from Fukushima area. The help that's available for them to move is sporadic, and since the time the accident happened, less money is becoming available to help them move away. Each prefecture has a different program. Now regarding the supposed cleanup, Japan has allocated $500 million in their budget for a cleanup, but what they have done is contracted companies that constructed the nuclear power plants in Japan to do the cleanup. This includes the firms Taisei Construction and Tobishima. So there are people in hazmat suits running around and working in the area, but the cleanup doesn't work because the radiation has contaminated the forests and the mountains and the land all around. Locals look at the money going to a huge construction company to conduct a cleanup that is not useful, and they would rather see the money helping children evacuate and helping children's health, but that is not being done. Chernobyl experts did come to Fukushima to help. They pointed out that the levels of radiation for the Fukushima accident and the Chernobyl accident have been set at different levels. In Japan, 20 kilometers from the leaking nuclear reactor is a no-go zone, and between 20 and 30 kilometers, you're at choice. You can either go there or you can stay away. You can live there if you want. But in Chernobyl, at 30 kilometers, that zone is a complete no-go. In addition, they pointed out that when the accident happened, the Japanese government's radiation standard was completely different. It was much stricter, and evacuation was required at a much lower level. After the accident, if you used that standard, all of Fukushima Prefecture would be completely uninhabitable. So what did the government do? They weakened the standard so that they could claim, according to the standards that they had set later, that 20 to 30 kilometers would be safe for people to choose to stay or go. And thus, there are still 300,000 children in that area who are at risk. Now, the government is ignoring the problems. All this according to Chieko Shina. The government has even sent out Dr. Yamashita, who I referenced earlier in this podcast, Dr. Yamashita to tell everyone at schools and communities that if you put a happy face on, you won't get contaminated by radiation. Dr. Yamashita really did a survey of health, put that in quotes, of Fukushima residents. Now, the survey was 
only to show that everything was okay. It was not sincere in trying to help the people. And as a result, only 20% of people actually gave answers. 35% of children have already been found to have cysts on their thyroids, but the government is trying to show through this survey that the problem is not so bad. They've also said that the next survey of health will not take place for another two years, not even in the children who have the cysts. They should be seen and checked every three to six months to evaluate how their disease is progressing. But that's not going to happen from the government. Mothers whose kids show symptoms don't know what to do and are getting no help. They are being treated like guinea pigs, like a science experiment. The fact is that there are no recommendations for health or treatment shows that this is nothing more than a wide-scale experiment using the people of Fukushima. There had been a study proposed at one university last year to follow the effects of radiation. This was proposed in April and would help gain an accurate assessment of the problems. But it was stopped by the government because the government said it would make people feel uneasy. Now, Sheena's group has done a survey, and they found that symptoms in children currently include asthma getting worse, coughing that doesn't stop, arrhythmia of the heart, nosebleeds, atypical EKGs, diarrhea that does not stop. In one case, a woman's child had diarrhea that would not stop. When they moved to the north of Japan, outside of the most contaminated area, the diarrhea stopped. When mothers take their children to the doctors with symptoms, the doctors dismiss the symptoms as not being related to radiation and tell the mothers and the children that it's all in their head. Further, when people visit doctors, if the patient tries to talk about anything related to radioactivity, there are gestures made for them to stop, and they're not allowed to say anything about their symptoms to the doctor. Even if they're coughing and have trouble and they're saying, please test my thyroid, the doctors won't do it. They won't test the urine. The whole medical community has shut down on this. The doctors are blocking people from complaining about their problems. I asked Chieko a question about the reproductive system. What problems are showing up? Have there been birth defects, miscarriages, mutations? Have there been more abortions taking place in the women of Fukushima? Her response was that within a 30-kilometer area of Fukushima, there was a child born with no brain. Another was born with Chernobyl heart, which is a term for a birth defect. A study done by Dr. Nakata showed that stillbirths and sudden death increased between two and three times. She had no data on whether abortions have increased, but reports that stories abound of middle school-aged children making the sad joke, well, I guess we're not going to be able to have children. An elementary school girl seen wearing long sleeves and long pants during the hottest days of summer was overheard saying, I want to grow up and I want to have babies. So I have to suffer now because I want to have children in the future. Diego said it's hard to understand the fears that the children are going through. She is shocked at how doctors are covering up problems. She has no idea as to why. As for the doctors, the young doctors who lived in Fukushima, they evacuated long ago. To help combat this problem, Chieko and her group are trying to open their own medical clinic, not to hide anything, but to genuinely help people who are having health problems. 
there is a precedent for this because after the atom bombs were dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima, there was a people's clinic opened up that gave genuine help and support to the people who were there, which was in contrast to what the government was doing and what the United States government was doing. So in trying to open their clinic, what is needed is approximately $3 million. They're hoping to open this October. This clinic will offer advice on how to change diet, how to maintain safety in the face of increased radiation, and psychological help for people to process their feelings. They are now trying to recruit doctors from around Japan and really from around the world who are sympathetic to the cause and want to help. They currently have seven to eight doctors. They are needing many more. So the call is out for doctors who would be willing to help. If you wish to help create this clinic, there is a PayPal account that is accepting donations. They already have close to a quarter of a million dollars, but they need three million in order to open. The PayPal account is clinicfukushima at yahoo.co.jp, and that will be posted on the Nuclear Hot Seat blog page. Finally, when Chieko was asked how she keeps her spirits up, she spoke of the need to use performance to crank up the mood a bit, get her emotions out. And then she danced. It was a traditional dance from Fukushima, a protest dance that had been outlawed, but that she has brought back into use. It called on anger, the beauty of nature. It was about life and sensuality, and it was tremendously powerful. It was used after World War II when the American occupation was in Japan. The women danced this dance. And the soldiers who saw it were so frightened by it that they shut it down. And the Americans decreed that the dance was forbidden. Now Chieko's helped bring this dance back and shown it to other women who have shown it in front of demonstrations in Japan. And the Japanese police have tried to stop it during demonstrations in Tokyo. They said, no, only six people can dance. But the women ignored it. And by dancing this dance of power, they were able to push the police line back by persisting with their dance. I'm looking for a video copy of this dance, and when I have it, I will post it on Nuclear Hot Seat. As you can tell, I was very emotionally moved by the evening because this woman is doing everything in her power to change the horrible fate that has been passed down to the people of her community and her immediate world. And I wish to do everything that I can, and I invite you to do anything you can to support her. She is continuing with her tour up the west coast of the United States, and she will be stopping in cities. She is in uh, Santa Barbara. She will be going up to San Francisco, Berkeley. I will post schedule on nuclearhotseat.com forward slash blog. In closing, she said that the women of Fukushima are not going to quit. They will keep fighting because of the children. That's the most important thing. If we quit now, it will be the end of Japan. These statements were part of a talk given by Chieko Shina from Fukushima, Japan, and I will be posting links to any video I can find of that on the Nuclear Hot Seat blog page. For holistic healing this week, I'm going to refer back to a favorite helper of mine, which is Bach Flower Remedies, the Rescue Remedy Formula. 
A few drops under the tongue help neutralize emotional knots and have no side effects. I have used it today in putting together this podcast because last night still had me so emotionally involved. And it does help. It helps get through emotionally challenging times. And this is especially important for those of us who are working in this arena. Because let's face it, it takes a toll. In the coming weeks, I will be bringing more of the alternative healing pieces to your awareness because we need all the help we can get physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. As an activist opportunity, a farm in Costa Rica is looking for farmers. Specifically, they are looking for Japanese farmers because they would like to focus on growing food for Japan. If there are any Japanese farmers or those familiar with Japanese farming procedures and they would wish to help grow organic coffee, bananas, maracuya, I don't even know what that is, Rhode Island red chickens, guinea fowl, help milking goats, and much more, you can get information by going to Facebook and contacting Pia, P-I-A, Christina Jensen, J-E-N, S-E-N. Again, I will post this on the Nuclear Hot Seat blog page. She's looking for Japanese farmers or those who know Japanese farming methods to help develop food specifically for the Japanese market. It's sort of like the Peace Corps, but it's to create food safety for people who desperately need it. Here's the final thought. This again from Chieko Shina from Fukushima. At last night's talk, when she was asked by one audience member about the problems disposing of radioactive waste from nuclear reactors, she said, nuclear power plants are like an apartment house without a toilet. I don't think I've ever heard it said better. This has been Nuclear Hot Seat for Tuesday, July 10, 2012. You can find us posted on nuclearhotseat.com forward slash blog. We're also up on Facebook, on the Nuclear Hot Seat pages, and on iTunes podcasts. Feel free to share the links and forward the download. And if you have any thoughts on how to improve Nuclear Hot Seat, send an email with your thoughts to info at nuclearhotseat.com. This is Libby Halevi of Heartistry Communications, the heart of the art of communicating, reminding you that we've all had our nuclear wake-up call, and now do not go back to sleep. Be safe, be well, I'll speak with you again next week.